Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Morning, everybody. It's so great to see you all. The sun is shining. It's a great day. I'm just going to start by reading um, from Isaiah chapter 11, the first couple of verses. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And this is such a lovely scripture in um, Isaiah, which is talking about the coming of the Messiah, one of the many prophecies um, in the Old Testament. And um, it's telling us that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David. Jesse was David's uh, father. And as we are at the beginning of December, we're officially allowed to start thinking about Christmas because it's December. We officially can put up our decorations, do our tree. Um, And as we're coming towards Christmas, my goal today is really just to try and focus us and help us realize the magnitude of that event that took place when Jesus was born. And the immense repercussions that it had, it changed history forever. It changed the world forever. When I walked into the um, garden centers in September and started seeing Christmas cards and decorations going up, I thought to myself, no, it's too early. And this is all about making money. This is all about hyping everybody up so that they'll spend more. When um, James, a few years ago, worked for Tesco for a very short period of time, thank goodness, and um, they, all of their Christmas decorations and sales had stopped by the first week of December. Everybody had done it all. And it's just, it's become a season of frantic stress, of over-busy calendars, of rising credit card balances and depleting bank balances. That's what Christmas has become. And it's our job, as people to who love Jesus, to remind people of what the truth is behind Christmas. To remind them of the immensity of what took place. Do you know, I had this thought while we were in worship that God had a really long time to consider his redemption plan. He had a long time to put those plans into place, to think about it, to make sure that he did it the right way and the best way. And he chose to do it through sending his son Jesus as a baby. It was a magnificent event that took place. Benjamin Franklin is quoted as saying, how many observe Christ's birthday? How few his precepts. I am hooked up on a, on a Facebook thread at around about this time last year, and I found on one of my friend's uh, Facebook newsfeed, whatever you call it, um, there was a mum from the school who was complaining about an organisation of people who go into the primary schools. It's called Open the Book. They go into primary schools and they teach Bible stories in the school assemblies. 
And this mom was complaining about this. And she made a statement that I found really interesting. She said, it upsets me that they are teaching this as truth. She was upset that Bible stories were be, being taught as truth. And I realized that so many people see the Bible as fairy tales, as myths and legends, and especially the nativity story. You know, we are so blessed in Jersey that the schools still put on nativity plays, because in many places across the United Kingdom, they don't. And people expect to hear the nativity story at this time of the year. What they don't realize, though, often, is it is true. It really happened, and it's our job to tell them about this. It's become increasingly offensive to talk about the truth behind the celebrations. Ronald Reagan, another American president, has been quoted as saying, Christmas can be celebrated in the classroom with pine trees, tinsel, and reindeer, but there must be no mention of the man whose birthday is being celebrated. One wonders how a teacher would answer if a student asked him, why is it called Christmas? And that's so true. We need to be getting the truth out there. It's important that we get people thinking, that we get them doubting what they think they know about the Bible. A couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a dad at the school, and he was adamant. He said to me, your Bible's rubbish. It was rewritten by monks in the 9th, 10th century. They put in whatever they wanted to. Do you know where he got that information? A novel that he'd read. And he takes that as truth. Friends, it's important that we get the truth out there. And Christmas is the most amazing time to be able to do that because they want to hear the Christmas story. Invite your friends to the Christmas carol service because they're going to hear it. It's a great opportunity. So, we need to make sure people know that the Bible is accurate, that history actually does not question a lot of what has happened in the Bible. In fact, the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. have an anthropology department, which is the study of humans and their behavior and everything. And they say this, much of the Bible, in particular historical books of the Old Testament, are as accurate historical documents as any we have from antiquity. And they are, in fact, more accurate than many of the Egyptian, Mesopotamian, or Greek histories. These biblical records can be and are used as are other ancient documents in archaeological work. The events in the Bible happened. Um, I read a, a thing on Facebook this week, and it's from a reputable source, so I know it's true, that they've recently found a seal which they believe belonged to King Hezekiah in the Bible. Um, I, I also read that they found evidence of King David in the 1990s. So it may be that we haven't discovered all the evidence of all these events doesn't mean it's not true. We are still discovering and still finding new things. The Roman historian Tacitus, who wrote about a century after Jesus' birth, he was hostile to Christianity. But you will find Jesus mentioned in his, his history books. He talks about um, Jesus' crucifixion at the hands of Pontius Pilate. He talks about the spread of Christianity in the years following. 
He didn't like the Christians, but he still talks about them in his books. It's important that people know history does not question the existence of Jesus. They may question the date that he was born. The 25th of December is quite unlikely his actual birth date. Um, the fact that the shepherds were out in the fields with the sheep. They, people say he was probably born any time from late spring through summer to early autumn. Unlikely that he was born in the middle of winter. But the date actually is irrelevant. The celebration is what is relevant. And the truth behind the celebration is what is relevant. So I spoke earlier that there are many Old, Testaments about, uh, Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, about his birth, about his life, about his death. Um, in fact, one source that I was reading said we, 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 we can't even make a comprehensive list because there are so many to look for and so many to find. So that scripture I read in Isaiah 11 talks about how the Messiah will come through the line of David. Biblical scholars believe that both Mary and Joseph descended from the line of David, from different sons of his. So there can be no question that that prophecy was fulfilled. For me, the fact that he was born in, in Bethlehem itself is in fact a great miracle. I mean, if you go back into Israel's history, um, when Israel and, or after King David actually, the kingdom was split into two. We had Israel and Judah and um, the Assyrians came and annihilated Israel. And what was left of Judah, the Babylonians then came and took them into exile. And they were in exile for 70 years, which was a lifetime for some people. People got married, they had children, they built houses. And in fact, many of them decided just to stay in Babylon. The king of Persia came and said, you know, you guys can go, you can go home. Lots of them did. Many of them stayed behind, or it took them a long time to trickle back. The fact that Mary and Joseph were back in their homeland, the fact that a Roman emperor who didn't know anything about the scriptures made a decree that sent them on an awful journey for a very pregnant woman to Bethlehem to register at the exact moment in history when Jesus would be born and fulfill the prophecies about him being born in Bethlehem. That one alone blows my mind, never mind all the others. Now some very clever person has worked out the probability of some person in history fulfilling just eight of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, remembering that there are hundreds. And this very clever person has said that there is a one in 100 million billion chance that somebody could have fulfilled just eight of those prophecies. Now my mind can't get around that number. So some other clever person has made it easy for us to understand and they say if you take the state of Texas, so the state of Texas is about 700,000 square kilometers. Now Jersey is 120 square kilometers. We could fit over 5,800 jerseys into the state of Texas. If you cover the state of Texas in 50p coins up to a level of a foot, so a foot of 50p coins all over the state of Texas, 
and you painted one of those coins black. You then took a blindfolded man, put him in the middle of the state, and got him to wander around, bend down and pick up just one coin. The chances of him picking up that one black coin are the same as somebody in history fulfilling eight Old Testament prophecies. Friends, we have proof that Jesus fulfilled every single one. I, I don't think the mathematicians can work that probability out. This truly was a magnificent event. When Jesus came as a baby, he started the ball rolling on something amazing. We need people to know about it. Let's have a look at some scriptures that talk about it. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 1. I think the scriptures will come up. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. This is some amazing language that is being used. You who are highly favored. God loves you so much. God sees you. God is with you. And he wants to do something special through you. This is what Mary is hearing. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what, what kind of greeting this might be. It's not every day that an angel appears to you and tells you you are highly favored and loved by the Lord. But the angel allays her fears and says, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, when we are called into the office by the boss, or the boss says, I want to see you at 9 o'clock in my office, or somebody important wants to have a word with us, we immediately think, what have I done wrong? And I'm sure that there must have been some trepidation in Mary's heart to have this visitation. What has happened? What is this all about? But the angel says, you are highly favored. Do not be afraid. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now Mary would have known the meaning behind that name. It means Jehovah is salvation. Mary would have known that. You hear this angel is telling her that she's about to have a baby who is going to be Jehovah's salvation. She will know the scriptures. She will know the prophecies that have been said, that have been passed down. And this angel is telling her that she is going to bear the salvation to the world. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary, you are about to have God's son. That's amazing. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This in itself would have been exciting. The king at the time was King Herod the Great, 
who was known as a madman, killed most of his family, was killing rabbis all over the land, the fact that her son was going to become the next king, that, that his throne would last forever, that was a promise given to David. You can read that in 2 Samuel. David was promised an eternal throne. And here, this descendant of David is going to be having a baby, and the angel is telling her, this is happening. This is happening. Mary's confused. How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Some translations say, nothing is impossible with God. And friends, that is a truth that we need to capture in our hearts. Nothing is impossible with God. If he can bring forth a baby from a virgin, nothing is impossible for God. Look at Mary's response, and I have to say, this, this really floors me. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. Now, I remember so clearly the day that my pregnancy with Rebecca was confirmed. James and I had been married for three or a little over three years. We'd spoken about the fact that we wanted to start a family. We'd prayed about it. We'd even had a prophecy spoken over us that it was the right time to start thinking about a family. But you know the day that I found out? I sat at my parents' dining table, sobbing my heart out. Because suddenly I was overwhelmed with the responsibility of what was about to take place and the realization that there was no going back, that it was done. It's not often that an unwed teenage girl takes news of a pregnancy like Mary did. But she, her heart was after God and she says to him, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. We have a lot to learn from Mary. We have a lot to learn from her humility, of her willingness to hear what God is saying to her and accept it and say, yes, Lord, your will be done in my life. Whatever you want, I want, not what I want. Because that's usually what happens, especially at Christmas. I want this, I want that, I want everything. What about what God wants? So then Mary gets ready and she hurries to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. This next passage of scripture is so powerful. So the angel has told Mary that Elizabeth is pregnant. So Mary probably wouldn't have known that. Uh, Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Elizabeth most assuredly would not have known about Mary's pregnancy. But look what happens. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured 
that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary, all she has to do is enter the house and say hello. And immediately, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who wasn't um, actually given to the world until Jesus, after Jesus had died 30 years later. We see in the Old Testament a few instances of where God filled people with the Holy Spirit for specific works and specific jobs. But he wasn't officially given to the world for another 30 plus years. Just at her greeting, Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and suddenly receives all of this revelation about what is happening to Mary. In that instant, she realizes Mary is pregnant with Jesus, with the Son of God, with the Messiah, with the Savior of the world. And she says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me. And that word Lord is the word Kyrios, the same word that James was talking about a few weeks ago that talks about the supreme authority. Elizabeth knew in an instant that Jesus was coming. And that verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Friends, do you believe God's promises to you? Has God made promises to you. He's made promises to me. Can I tell you some of the promises that God has fulfilled for me? When Rebecca was very little, James and I didn't have a lot, and I had this immense fear for her education. Lord, how are we going to pay? In, in Zimbabwe at that time, all the schooling was private. We didn't have the money to pay for that. One day, out of the blue, a lady in our congregation who owned and ran a nursery school said, I'd like Rebecca to come and join my nursery school and you won't have to pay for it. That was the start of God's fulfillment. Another nursery school later on did the same thing for us as she, as she moved up. We moved to the UK. God provided for all of that. Obviously, her schooling... Um, is free in the UK. She's going to be going to university in a couple of years. I'm going to believe God's promise to us because he's proved himself faithful in the past. And I'm going to be blessed because I believe that he will fulfill his promises, that nothing is impossible for him. I could stand here for hours telling you about the promises that God has fulfilled in our lives. Friends, believe God. Believe God when he gives you a promise that he will fulfill it. Just because he doesn't fulfill it today doesn't mean it's going to happen. He will fulfill his promise to you. And then Mary in verse 46, she sings a song. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And she goes on in the most beautiful words, which have actually become quite a famous song. It's been called the Magnificat because it's all about magnifying God. And when we see promises in our lives fulfilled, 
it is important that we give God the glory. It is important when people say, oh wow, that was lucky. We say, no, that was God's provision. No, that was God's doing. The reason this is happening in my life is because God has made it happen. And I want the world to know and for him to receive all of the glory. Mary accepted everything that God had for her. And because she did, our lives, our history has been changed forever. I want to close just by looking at the words of the angel that came to see the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, so the, the the shepherds are just chilling out in the fields, looking after the sheep. It's a very ordinary evening for them. And suddenly these angels appear and the angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Folks, this right here is the purpose of Christmas. This right here is the message that we want people to know at Christmas time. This is the truth behind all the festivities and the celebrations that happen at Christmas time. First of all, I bring you good news of great joy. Christmas is a celebration. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Christmas is a celebration and it's all about salvation salvation for everyone who will come to him this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising god and saying glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his savior rests christmas is also reconciliation. For the first time since Adam and Eve walked in the garden, you and I can walk with Jesus. You and I can have that close and personal relationship with the Father because Jesus came, because of the birth of a baby boy in Bethlehem. We need people to know Christmas is a celebration about salvation for all of us and about reconciliation, us to God. That plan that God spent thousands of years thinking about and putting together happened in one magnificent event, the birth of his son, Jesus. Friends, I think it would be appropriate if we could just maybe take a few minutes to quiet our souls. Yesterday we were in town and I just, in fact, there came a point where we had to just leave because you couldn't walk through a shop without being bumped and pushed. There were so many people, so many people out there getting ready for what they think is Christmas. And my challenge to you today is are you ready for Christmas? And are you ready in the right, in the right way? Um, a lovely Christian author called Anne Voskamp says, 
We're ready for Christmas, not when we have all the gifts, but when we're ready for Christ. When we're ready to give all of ourselves to Christ. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.